and welcome to Britpop Banter. My name is Kevin. And my name is Leslie. <laughs> don't know why that's funny. I don't know why that's funny. Don't know. Uh, welcome to season one. We're counting down the top 50 albums of what we think were the best albums in Britpop. We're on episode 19 and we are on a big one, Lyle. Oft. Number 33, yeah, Oft. Yeah, I get TV. Yeah, you warned me when, when yeah. I came through the door. Oasis be here now, Les. <laughs> Can't I don't want any off. haters. No haters. Said. Haters with a Z. What? You know, no haters. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that a hash- one of your hashtags? Hashtag haters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no haters. Zed. Weirdo. <laughs> uh, we're at Britpop Banter at Facebook on, on uh, Twitter. Or email us, BritpopBanter at gmail.com. Questions, feedback, send us your guilty pleasures from the 90s. And if you like us, leave a rating, please. And our disclaimer is, all views expressed on this podcast are 100% our own. And while we poke fun at some bands and artists, we appreciate their talent and sacrifice to create these albums. Well, last week... Placebo. Oh, loved it. It was a good episode, wasn't it? A bit long, though. An hour 50. It's our longest episode yet. But we talked about... It felt like 10 minutes to me. I knew it was a long one. I knew that we were. But this is the thing. Like, It was a good conversation, and I was sort of thinking, well, what do you take out of it? Um, Maybe more of you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to swear at you. (laughs) We are two minutes in. I really enjoyed Placebo. It was really well-received. Um, it took a lot of people back to the album um, yeah. for memories. Do you like it any better yet? And Bruce Pristine and um, what's it? Nancy face? Boy. You're off your head. The first ten seconds. Oh part. God, because it's got a guitar in it. It's a shame. I listened to it ten times when you left. How could you tell? And I was like, "That he's an idiot." What's he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked all your singing. Your singing was, it was good. There was a lot of it. There was, was a lot of it. I realise. It was heaps. I was enjoying myself. I think there'll be a lot of singing on this one. Yeah. Okay. And no one's been mean about my singing. No, they've been. everyone's been lovely about your singing. I think it adds to it. So let's let's see how we go on this one. Tons. Okay. Shall we talk about Noel Gallagher's new song? Yes, please. Down, down, down. Bum, 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 bum. Bum. I love it. Just putting it out there. All right. Okay. Did no you... haters, Zed. I don't know I just came Put that in your head <laughs> Right talk to me about this song Did you like it the first time you heard it? No How was your feelings? First time I heard it I laughed Did you? Yep oh, And no. I went I can see what the fuss is about Because I'd seen the fuss before I'd heard the song Got it So and then I, So you're expecting something That's the other thing Right So I was waiting for this Like car crash of a song Right Because of what I'd been reading Right And then I laughed Because I went Is he just Is he taking a mickey a bit? Is this a joke? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, if it is, it's gold. Um, and I thought, a bit disco. And I went, you know what, I don't, I don't get it. And I thought, I'll listen to it again. And a couple, and then about three or four times in, it's in your head. All day. Right. Sticks in your head. And I enjoy it. Like, I actually don't know. I really like it. I've listened to it a few times a day, I reckon. And that video has just been the icing on the cake Yeah, the video is hilarious. Oh. Any video that's got the crankies in it deserves... <laughs> Well, you've ruined the crankies for me now. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to... T- just high level. So first of all, let's talk about the video. The video came out a couple of days ago. Um, it's set back in like the 70s. I think it's an old uh, uh, ITV Granada show yeah. with Bernard Manning, who is a very old... Awful. Comedian. Uh, who's, who in this day 
I, we both agree would not stand a chance no. of, of some of the stuff that he would say. Um, it has a couple of, it has Jimmy Cranky and it has Tommy Cannon as yeah. well. So Tommy, and so it's this old 70s sort of talent show and Nolan and his band appear on it. Um, who are the Crankies, Les? Because a lot of people won't know who they are. So the Crankies are, well, they were Scottish and they were actually husband and wife, but they didn't play that. No, they, they didn't. What did they, they play? They played like a man and a little boy. They did. So, so they played, that, there was, was a children's weird. show, right? Yeah. Like it was aimed at children. And I used to love it. Yeah, we loved the Crankies. Would you get away with that now? No. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, so they, they, her husband and wife, and she played a little schoolboy. <laughs> and the st- shenanigans that they would get into sounds so wrong now, doesn't it? Anyway, they've, they've been married for 50 years. And Leslie just told me something that I wish I never knew about them. Hey, uh, Kev, did you know the Crankies are swingers? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't ruin that. Swingers. Anyway, yes, yeah, so I found that. Found out five minutes walking through the door this morning. That was. How are you that, feeling about that now? Not, Settle, not very good. No, 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 absolutely not. Okay. Fifty years they've been married. Maybe that's the spot. Maybe that's why. Fifty years of swinging. Maybe that's it. Keeping it fresh. <sighs> Gee whiz! Right, let's put that move. tie on again, Jimmy. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> If you're from the UK, we've just ruined it yeah. for everyone. Oh, it's well. horrible. Um, right, so there's a couple of things about the, the video I want to talk about very briefly. I think the timing of the music is off to what the band are actually playing, right? Because, first of all, there's Noel's steely stare at the beginning where he yeah. looks like a block of granite. I think it's a... He's taking a mickey. I don't know what he's doing. He, it's just like it's almost like a "What am I doing here? What's the song?" kind of look, and then he sort of does that sway. Yeah. But he's off the music, and the lady in the red in the background is completely out of tune with the music, and it, it just—it's one of these little things where you go, "There's only the ding, 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 ding," and they are way out of sync. The second thing to note is how boring must it be for the bass player? He must hate that song. I could—I <laughs> don't even play the bass. I could play that. So that's what it must be. It must be a shocker to play live. It must be. I don't know. It must be really boring for the band to play live. But it is catchy. I don't Love like it. the guitar solo at all. I think it's cheese. Wow. But it only lasts ten seconds, and you're out back into the funky stuff. So, but kudos to him. I actually really enjoy the song. Yeah. I do find myself bopping away from Absolutely. it. And it is so different that there's two camps on this song. So I, I, really, I really like it. Anything else you wanted to add about Noel? Um, what do you think the album's going to be like then? If that's the, the sort of way he's going. Well, it can't be any worse than the one he just released, can it? So The one that I liked. I didn't think it was that bad. Oh, awful. Jeez. Oh, yeah, that's right. You really didn't, didn't like, like it, it no. at all, didn't you? Yeah, okay. Um, all right. We made some charts. We We're, did. We did. Where'd we chart? We charted in Ireland. We charted. To be sure, to be sure. Jesus. Right, we charted in Ireland. Thank you, Ireland. And we charted in... I'll give you a clue. Pelly. Brazil. Yay! Hey! We charted in Brazil, which is awesome. So thank you very much for that. Uh, just before we get into sort of the, the album that we'll get into, I want to cut it's a massive album. And I want to say this is 
This is slightly unusual for us because there's a lot to cover about this album. Yeah. So it's on the polar opposite of some of the albums that we've covered mm-hmm. with this very little. This is on the opposite. So um, this is going to be a long one. Hope you're comfy. Get the kettle on. And um, I hope we do it justice. Shall we get into homework? Yes, please. Who do you want to take first? Kyle Faulkner. Go on. Um, Why are you saying it like that? I don't know. I just said it. <clears throat> just okay, right. Okay, so... So the Kyle Faulkner, uh, the album is No Thanks Please. Right. How would you describe Carl Faulkner? Scottish. Mm-hmm. What like, does he sound like? A Dundonian singing. Because yep. he is. He is. Very, very Scottish, and that's um, what I love about him. Yeah. He, um, like, he's kind of poppy, stroke, folky, stroke, indie. It's kind of hard. Okay. There's, a couple, there's one song in there that's terrible, which is like a country and western song. And it's oh, Last Bus Home, awful. Oh, so, okay, wow. Um, yeah, there's different styles to it. Um, look, album starts off brilliantly. Poor Me is a great song. Brilliant song. Starts off brilliantly. Loved it. Um, look, great tracks on it. So I love Poor Me, The Therapist, um, Japanese Girl, yep. Jekyll Down Your Hide. Oh, great song. Great. That's the best song on the oh, album. That's a good song. Really Either good that song. or Poor Me. Yep. Um, Madonna's Makeup, great song. Yep. But there are bad songs. Um, Last Bus Home. I, I, don't know what you're doing. It's not what? Country and Western. Okay. Sounds a bit cheesy country. Okay. And Family Tree. Love Family Tree. It's just, it's one of those songs where I don't hate it, but it's cheesy and it's poppy and I don't get it. And it's just like I love it. a five-year-old wrote it. You are so harsh on this. Carry on. Keep going. Um... But overall, a good album. Overall, a good album. Okay, your score? I don't know, right, I'm struggling. We're going to be miles apart on this It's one. either six and a half or seven. I'm thinking, I don't know. Like, uh, okay. Six Take and a half or seven, six and a half. I've wrote them both down, I've not been able to decide. Do you know what would tip it over the edge? And the funny thing is, it's not on the album. If you heard his cover of What's Love Got To Do With It, oh, Tina I listen, Turner. I didn't listen to that. Amazing. Bit. Is it? So I feel if that was on the album, it'd be a seven. Right, okay. Um, I want to give it a seven because I do like I like him, I do like it, I like the fact he's Scottish. I know that we're going to go and see him. But I don't know how many times I'll listen to it after we've seen him. Okay. So I'm going to... I'm struggling. Okay. I'm going to... I'm going to be the complete opposite of that. I absolutely love this album. Like mm. I, lo- the minute I put it on, so I, I I really like the View, which is the the band he was previously from. Um, there's an album called Bread and Circuses, which I had on all the time. There's a song on there called Tragic Magic, yes. which is the most Scottish song ever, and I just it just I loved that album. So it was really good to to hear him. I also love his voice. I love how Scottish he is, and it yeah. just genuinely makes me happy and. A little bit homesick to hear singing like that. He sings about songs that I can relate to. Like, I know you talked about The Family Tree and stuff like that, but I think that's a gorgeous song. Um, I gen- I, I've listened to this album so much this week, and it's made me so happy. Because Aww. it's made me genuinely so happy to, to hear someone Scottish. To And every song is, is, a, is unique, which we'll get into the other band that we yep. covered. But I felt that with Carl... 
every song was different. I, I knew we were moving on to the next song and it sounded totally different. So for me, this album, you talked about Poor Me, Avalanche Confusion, Jekyll Daniel Hyde is fantastic. That's a great song. Family Tree, I love it. I don't have a bad word to say about this album. Wow. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I rated it really highly. What'd you give it? I gave it a nine. That, you, that's crazy. No. Nah. So the reason being, so what I did was this week, I went back to my nines and I went, maybe I'm just being a little bit, you know. Yeah, just calm down a bit. No, that's what I thought. And I yeah. thought, no, I, if I'm, I'm enjoying an album this much, this, like, it made me so happy. Walk, I was walking around um, Darling Harbour because I was at a work conference this week. And I just was like, I was singing along, like just bopping and I was like, this is so enjoyable. When have I felt like this about an album? Wow. I know. It's just. So I'll give it a seven just because it makes you happy. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to seeing this guy live. I, I'm, I would, I, just anyone go and have a listen to it. It's not going to be for everyone. I get it because Carl's very Scottish. And like you said, it's a little bit folky. It's not your typical album that we're covering. And I like that because I don't mind that kind of music. There's lots. It's, it's just there's some... Some of the songs verge on cheesy for me. I yeah, think. I get that. And you know what? You said that about Pete McLeod as well. Yeah, it's when, a fine. Yeah, when things start to move into that cheesy genre for you, you're like. You're it seems no, I'm not a fan. You're not a fan. And for me, I sort of like those because I get. Because you're a bit cheesy. Yeah, I'm a bit know. cheesy. Yeah. All right. So I really like that. Shall we get into Slow Readers Club? Yes, please. I'd love to. Um, so, slow, slow Readers Club, Build it's a Tower. To the Slow Readers Club. Right. Build a Tower. This is actually their third album. Is it? Mm. Oh, okay. yeah. So they've been around for quite um quite a bit. Um, I think they're massive as well. Did you see some of their gig footage? Oh, like I'd love to see them live. Yeah, they look I think great. They'd be brilliant. Um, I think I get sort of I get notes of the Killers. Yes. Um, yeah. Yep, yep. Depeche Mode. Yep. Do you know the band The National? Yes. A bit like that. Yeah. Okay. Kind of. Um, really anthemic, like big, big songs. Mm. Um, I love it. I knew you would like it. Absolutely love it. I think we both gave it the same score. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Yay! I knew coming into this we would give it the same score. Um, Lunatic, the first track on the album. Great song. Oh, wow. Um, Supernatural's brilliant. Great. You opened up my heart. Never said I was the only one. Through the shadows. Oh, I actually don't have a bad at song on this album. Neither do I. Like, I don't... Why... Do, so, this is... So, I'll tell you why. 8 out of 10, for you, is phenomenal, right? Um, 8 out of 10... For, I really like this album. The one thing I had to say about this album is there was sometimes where I got to the end of the album and I didn't know which track I was on or I'd lost track of where I was or I didn't notice that the track had changed. Yeah, okay, I can see that. And that was, that was the only reason why I went, oh, okay... Um, so that's why it got an eight for me because it does. When you've got, I find that when you've got a very distinct sound, that and they do, and that's the same. I found that with Moonlight Parade when they've got a very unique and distinct sound, and there's there's ten to twelve songs. Sometimes you lose the, the you lose the gap and the difference between them. But yeah, go yeah. on. Why was you, why are you an eight and why are you not higher? Because why are you not ever getting to a nine? What's an album got to do to get a nine out of you? No, <laughs> I gave something a nine. No, you didn't. All eight and a halves. Oh, eight and a half. Yeah, they're all eight and a half. What does an album have to do to get a nine? Like, it's got to be... No one's going to achieve a nine out of ten. Yeah, they might. But even album... I mean, I mean like, There must be... In this chart, something will get a nine. 
surely. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you've definitely. In fact, you've you've given a couple of tens. But in this, <laughs> I know. But yeah. in this, but the, in this day, modern day, no album has been good to get to that nine mark yet. And you've mm. loved albums. Moonlight Parade, you spent your own money to get a pressed vinyl copy of it. Give it an eight and a half, didn't I? You did. Right. No, 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 no. You gave it an eight because you didn't put on the same stepping stone as uh, Blackheart Lullabies. Yeah. I think you've, you've got a... I, I don't know. If I, enjoy, if I really enjoy an album and the minute it finishes, I put it on again, there's something I know special. I that, Bright, but you've got to think. I feel like I'm thinking about... We've... The... Marks that we've given the oh, albums in this go. chart. I can't be just thrown out. My... It was twenty twenty five years ago. But if I feel that way still about that, they've got to meet that. Yeah, and that's they might. Okay, do let's that. just think of albums that are not even on a chart. If I think of an album that I would give a nine or ten, like Fat of the Land, a Prodigy, it's not up to that. Okay. Of all like, albums that I absolutely love, classic, will never ever. Blue Lines by Massive Attack would get a 10. Right, so do you see what I mean? Okay. Um, DJ okay. Shadow's first album would get a 9. Okay. Like, when I think about albums that I... you got to get to that. Yeah. And that's, that's hard. I think... I like this... This Slow Leaders Club are brilliant. And I would love to see them live. And I do hope that they come out to Australia. And for me... But an 8 out of 10 for me is if you're a new band and I'm giving you an 8 out of 10, like, I love it. But yeah. I, I've got to... I, I, I can't just be... You do something different to me. I look at I look in that album and I think, how much am I enjoying this album right now? If I ask you, Cal... If I go back to you in two years' time and say, give me a mark for Kyle Faulkner, you will not give me a 9. Yeah, maybe not. But right now, I'm, I'm really enjoying well, this album. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this... Um, long, long, long I'm, view. Yeah, I'm looking at this as a... I want to be comfortable with it in a couple of years' time because you get excited by albums oh, and you really get like do. and you go, oh, I love it, it's amazing. I'm just going to give it a ten, and then I listen to it in two weeks and go, that's <laughs> utter rubbish. <laughs> like I would love to be if we say in twenty years later we're doing another chart and we're talking about them again. I want to still be able to give it an eight, maybe even a bit higher because it's grown, it's stayed with me. Mm. I just think that over in the next 10 years, if I look back over the albums that mean something in my life and that I think have a lasting impact and are musically amazing, if you're going to be a 9 or a 10, you still got to be there. That's how I see yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, yeah. And so that's how I think about it. It's not because I don't think it's a great album or they're talented. I just go, hmm, 8 out of 10 because I enjoy it. And it's a good album. Will I listen to this album in ten years' time and still have that feeling that I do about some of the other albums we speak about? I doubt it. Mm. Okay. Well, we're about to talk about "Be Here Now," which probably falls in the same bracket, right? Absolutely. Uh, I do want to point out though that okay. this part of the podcast is actually becoming one of my favourite parts. This new bands, listen to new bands. Love it. I'm absolutely loving yeah, it. Yeah. I've got such a. I said it last week. Such a spring in my step about these new bands. It is good. And um, that's like Cal Faulkner. The same thing. Like I was just so happy to hear. And it's it. amazing. Yeah. And we've been. So I just want to throw out here. We've been contacted by quite a few um, bands asking us now to listen. That's amazing. That's so cool. if you do contact us and you want us to listen and you have an album, we will. Because I actually think this is a great platform and I actually feel nice that people want us to. Yep. Um, we were contacted by, I want to put you this band on the list. So a band called Mercury Machine. Okay. Their album of the same name. Okay. I'll work it on the list. 
a band called Springfield who contacted us. They've just got one track at the moment called Footstep. I said we'd give her a listen and chat about it next week. Okay. It's two and a half minutes long. It won't take time. Stop giving me homework to do. We've got enough of those ideas. We can just put... So I, they can go on the list. Springfield, though, next week. Mercury Machine, we can put it on the list. Well, we've got two more albums, right? So as we work through the list, I would love to know what your opinion on this band is. And it's the Sleaford Mods. Oh. With their album, Eaten Alive. Now, they're... You know what? If you haven't heard of this band, go and have a listen to that album... Uh, I can't wait for you to tell me what you think about this band So this is what I'm doing next week, isn't it? You're doing Sleaford Mods, Eaten Alive And you're doing a band from Tim Tim sent us a band The Oriels Silver Dollar Moment It's a very young band How do you spell it? The Oriels, O-R-I-E-L-L-E-S And that's in the album? Silver Dollar Moment Silver. You know I email you your homework every week, right? Donald. But you write it. Silver Donald? Silver Dollar Moment. Oh. <laughs> Silver Donald. Um, all right, shall we get anything else So on those bands? Good homework this week. Great again. Like, just loved it. Okay. Guilty Pleasures, cue the jingle. Were you going to sing it there? I don't know what's going on. Do you want to sing it? Oh, no, I don't. Okay, you were about to sing it. I didn't know what I was going to do. (laughs) Sugar Babes. I've got to break your little heart. Get a grip. No way. I was so excited to listen to this album. Great album. There are some good songs on this album. Okay. Obviously, Overload, right? You got One Touch, Lush Life, Run for Cover, Soul Sound. There are some good songs. I don't think it's aged very well. And I don't and I do think it's a bit samey samey. So tonight, Leslie <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you were to rate that album, mm-hmm. right? What would you rate it? Seven. You would give that a seven Still. out of ten. Still. Enjoy, listen to it, listen to it again. See there we go. It's an album from that's a long time ago. Would you have given it a seven twenty years ago? Probably. Because okay. I there are a couple of songs that I go skip. There's a few skippers. A few skippers? A couple of skippers. <laughs> but overall for for a girl pop band, there were 16, I think, when they released that album. Jeez. And, like, I, I mean, I think it's a good debut album from a girl band who probably have a bit more talent than your average girl band. Yes, um, that is true. They were very different. And for their age, yep. I think there's going to be a little kudos given to that. Yep. Um, I have many memories of being in my halls of residence at uni and me and my friends standing on my single bed actually creating a dance to overload <laughs> so <laughs> oh, you, you were supposed to tell us heaps of stories about yep. the sugar babes and I also um, went to see the sugar babes live um, at the corn exchange in Edinburgh with um, a couple of friends right how were and they and I oh I was so drunk but <laughs> <laughs> Did you but, break anything, twist anything, no, fall off anything? But loved it. <laughs> Train comes, I don't know its destination. I was right up the front. I bet you were. Absolutely amazing. I mean, this is a long time ago. It's got to be at least 14 years ago. But, wow. Did they have to finish it bang on 10 o'clock so they could get to their beds? <laughs> oh, I swear it was a, it's a lot of fun. Uh, what do you think I gave it? Five. Bang on. 
five out of ten. I'll take that for I a guilty just, pleasure. I just was like, look, it's, if you were to put it on, and we were, you know, having a few beers, or whatever, I'd leave it. I wouldn't. I would just. Put, that's fine. That's okay. But I think Overload by far is the standout track of that album, and the yeah. rest is okay. Um, there was nothing I didn't really like. It just, it's. I'm never going to listen to it again. Right, it's my pick. Oh no. I'm going to sing you some guitar chords, and I want you to guess. The band oh. and the album. Oh, no. You ready? This yeah. is going to go horribly. Ready? Yeah, I've got my eyes shut. Got is it? There a cat in here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is. It is. So the name of the album is also a computer game that we have talked about before. Don't know. Oh, I think. FIFA? No. It is the Cardigans Gran Turismo. They're not British. I know. We do any album in the no, 90s. No, they've got to be British. No, they don't. Yes, they do. It's any album of the no, 90s. No, they have to be British. That was the rule at the beginning. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's, uh, we've had Scooter in there. Who They're are ge- British. They're German. Anyway, it's any... Because we wanted to, anyone to chuck their albums at okay. us, right? So it is... You actually like the cardigans. It's got a raise and rewind on that. A raise and rewind. Brilliant song. I do still listen What's to that What's the other one that they do that I like? They've got that... They were big for the, the, the Kiss Me... Not that one. There's another one I like. Well, got... By favourite... That's what you were trying to sing. <laughs> I see. You didn't do that well, did you? You did the exact same thing. No, just did. You didn't even do the guitar. Oh, so if I'd have done the guitar, I maybe got it. You would have. Yeah. Right, I understand. Sorry, so you I should have let yourself down. There. Should have done the guitar. That's it. a good album. I think you'll enjoy that. Actually, when was the last time you listened to that album? A long time. ago. It's a good album. Okay, I'll take that. See, all right, okay. Um, if you want any of the albums that we're covering or about to cover, send us an email, and I will send you the spreadsheet. Uh, for you to go through. All right. Spreadsheet. <laughs> Spread pop one liners. It's you to ask me. Go for it. Going down. I'm going to go one liner. I can't. I'm, I'm not telling a story. Well, I, I doubt it, but we'll see. <laughs> um, the. Oh wait, jingle. Cue the jingle. Liners. <laughs> a bit of junk. No, That'd be funny. No. That'd be funny. No. Okay. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to give you. Skunk and Nancy. Okay. A one-liner for Skunk and Nancy. I loved Skunk and Nancy. Past tense? Yeah, well, the past tense is... I haven't really got back into them. And there was... Was it Charlie Big Potato album? Yeah. That lost me. Totally lost me. Um, So I would say... um, Amazing band... I had the chance to go and see them when I was 16, and for some reason I didn't, and I'm devastated I didn't. I still regret that to this day. Oh, well, that's fair enough. Yeah. That's, I'd regret that too. It was in Dundee. I don't know why Dundee. we didn't go, but I, I, I'm devastated because that, that was when they were at the peak. Anyway, go. Okay. Supergrass. Love me some Supergrass. Still love me some Supergrass. The Road to Ruin album is a fantastic album. Um, all Supergrass albums are thumbs up. And I'm going to finish with garbage. Two words. Shirley Manson. Wow. I like, I like the way that you're judging them on their musical prowess. 
that's good. No, uh, that's a bit shallow, but okay, we'll move uh, on. I don't know. Come on, I love, I love me some garbage. Love me some Shirley. Sure, I'm sure she feels the same. So. <laughs> sure, sure. Already for Oasis. Oh, I feel nervous. You ready? I just need to swap my notes over. So if you hear rustling of paper, I apologise. It's important I get this right. Okay, and we are on time as well. So I don't know if we'll get to that. I don't know if we'll beat placebo. We were way ahead in placebo by now. But there's a lot to cover here. All right. So uh, Be Here Now was released on the 21st of August 1997, Leslie. The album cover, can you talk to me about... It's like one of those... Uh, like you look at it and then you have to look away and guess all the items that you saw. Yeah, swimming what? pool, yep. Rolls Royce and swimming pool, yep. clock, yep. house, yep. band, yep. motorbike, yep. Uh, like old record player. Gramophone. Can't remember. That's pretty much it. You've done well. You've done well. You've, you've pretty much named it. So the, so the band are all in there. Some are not even facing the camera. Rolls Royce obviously in the pool. I thought that was photoshopped. It's someone's actually Rolls Royce in the swimming pool. Who gave that up? Um, and it has, you know, a sort of calendar with the release date of the album in the corner. Um, a lot in there. It was taken by rock photographer Michael Spencer Jones at Stocks House, which was home to the Playboy publisher Victor Lowndes. Okay, do you know what the album means? The, the actual name of the album be here now? No. Brilliant. Uh there's a lot of different theories, so I think it's this. Um, so on George Harrison's 1973 album Living in the Material World, there is a song with the same name called Be Here Now. The phrase Be Here Now essentially concerns the idea that thinking about the past or the future means the person loses focus on the only, th- real, on the only thing that is real, the here and now. So it's all about being present, which is it's nice. nice that thought. is nice. Yeah, oh, okay. But mindfulness by Oasis? Sure. <laughs> they didn't just steal it from George Harrison's album. Queen <laughs> will take that. So it was released in August '97. This is Oasis's third album. Previous album, Les. What's the story? Morning glory. Yeah. All right. Went to number one in '95. What followed it, Leslie? Sot Sog, stand on the shoulders of giants. Give us a song. Um, what's my favourite song in that album? We will talk about that album, but... Well, I don't know what song I want to sing off of that album. It's not going to be Little James, is it? Little James. No. No. Okay, all right. Sunday Morning Call. Yeah, okay. What followed it? So, Sot Sog in 2000. It went to number one. The label, of course, at this time was Creation. It was recorded all over the place. (laughs) Bit of Abbey Road. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they they went to Master Rock, which was where they did the guitar and vocal overdubs. That's hard to say. Air Studios, they did the strings. And Ridge Farm Studios, where they did the drum, bass, guitar and vocals. With most of the writing at Mick Jagger's villa. Can you imagine the stuff that went down there? Absolutely. Not for this podcast. Would it have been going up rather than down? Maybe. Uh, the producer, Owen Morris. And yes. we've, we've talked about him before. We talked about him on the Ash episode and all the stuff that used to get up to with Ash. <sighs> He seemed mental on this one. Absolutely. So he is actually in the background of the album cover somewhere. Um, He's done Ash 1977, as we discussed, and the Verve's Northern Soul album. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's 71 minutes long, this album, Les. Yep. Thoughts on that? Absolutely fine with that, thank you. (laughs) 
<laughs> the more Oasis, the better for Absolutely. you. Absolutely, bring it on. 12 tracks, 71 minutes. Uh, it got to number one. How long was it in the charts? 45 weeks. What did it knock off, Lel? Oh, what did it knock off? Good question. Kevin? You know this. Do I? You do. Absolutely, 100% you do. A hint? Uh, an album we're not allowed to talk about. What? Texas White on Blonde. Did it? Yeah, knocked off Texas. What kicked it off? I'm really testing your memory on this, but do you remember? No. It's a good one. All right. Ocean Colour scene marching already. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, good. Are you ready for the charts? Yes. Boom. Okay. These Albums. will be brilliant. I remember this year being amazing. Tell me I'm not wrong. I'm probably wrong. It's not bad. Okay. All right. Number 10, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Good. Brilliant. I actually used to like Cheryl Crow until she did that song Reef and then I'm... Well, that was last year or something she yeah, did that well, song. Yeah, well, she's dead to me now. <laughs> oh, Number 9, Spice by Spice Girls. Oh, yeah. That's kicking about still. Well, this is, you know, this is where the peak of Britpop is, so yeah. it's essentially the same, same. I don't know this person at all. Blurring the Edges, Meredith Brooks. Yeah, you would not like that. <laughs> <laughs> she was, I'm sure she was the one that, that sung that song. I'm a bitch, I'm a mother, oh. I'm a I could be completely wrong. People will tell me if I am. All right. Love is Forever by Billy Ocean. He sings a song that, now that I don't think you'd get away with. Is that the Get Into My Car? Yeah, what's that? That's a bit. Like, get out of my dreams, get, get into, into my, my car. You go to jail for that, Billy. <laughs> for life. <laughs> life imprisonment, Billy. Get out of the back seat. Keep it in your dreams. Don't write about it, don't tell a soul. Uh, back, back seat into Backstreet. Backstreet's back oh. by the Backstreet Boys. Dear Lord, were they about then? Yeah. Number five, Always On My Mind, The Ultimate Love Songs by Elvis. Aww. We haven't talked about Elvis before. Yeah. What do you think of Elvis? So, oh look, some great song, like classic songs. Okay. Suspicious Minds, I think, is one of the, an amazing song. Yeah. Always On My Mind is a great song. I like early Elvis, not really, that kind of jivey rock and roll. Yeah. Some of the later stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, look, fascinating story. Okay. Um... Like just like a real rock and roll star. Yeah. We don't really get that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't really Is know too much. Is he as great as everybody carries on about? Like, like you know, the, but I think it's a, look, it's a moment it's in a time. It's a generational thing. Yes, because like people, Oasis. People don't talk about Elvis as much as they used no. to. Do you think somebody born this year is going to listen to What's the Story, Morning Glory and turn around to us and go, that was amazing, what a great album Ooh. no they're gonna go oh here Auntie Les what was that you were listening to well little one <laughs> just try again <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's gonna go down right number four it's a belter OK Computer by Radiohead great song album 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 number three you just spoke about it The Fat of the Land by The Prodigy can you sing us anything from that I'm the five star Joystick five-star! Yeah! Didn't expect you to, and if you're not awake, you definitely are after that. <laughs> Bloody hell. Number two, White on Blonde by Texas. I love it. Can you sing us a song from that? Yeah. And you can say what you want, but it won't be my mind. I feel the same about you. 
And you can tell me you're racist, but it won't change my feelings. Feel the same about you. Nice. Thanks. Uh, listeners, this is your fault. You had the chance to shut down yep. Leslie last week, and, and you didn't you do did it. Not. Uh, number one, Oasis obviously would be here now. Singles. Oh, I can't wait to get your take on this. <laughs> it's a mess. Number ten, Queen of New Orleans by John Bon Jovi. No thanks. Was there a change between John Bon Jovi and Bon Jovi? No, he just went solo. So Bon Jovi was the band, John Bon Jovi obviously mm-hmm. hemp. Got it, all right. Number nine, More Money, More Problems by Notorious B.I.G. <laughs> I'm not singing that. Oh, I wish you could sing that. No. Okay. Number eight, ba- uh, Everybody by the Backstreet Boys. Everybody, yeah. Rock your body, yeah. Everybody, rock. Your body night, backstreets, back. All right, <laughs> love it. You just like them all. As if I love it, I hate it. Well, like yeah, I somehow really you know all the words it. to it. No, it's awful. Right, number seven, "Never Gonna Let You Go" by Tina Moore. Never gonna no. No. Uh, number six, "All I Wanna Do" by Danny. No. Okay. Um, number five, Freed from Desire by Gala. You know this. <gasps> Freed one. from Desire, my incense is purifier. I always thought that's what she sang. Okay. Is that what she sings? Yeah, I think so. I know. Well, yeah. Number four, I'll be missing you, Puff Daddy and Faith Evans. Oh, I've forgotten it. I'll be. Oh, what does it give me a? Yeah, I'll be missing you. Yeah, I really blew that one. Uh, number three, You're the One That I Love by Shola Amma. Nah. Number two, Tub Thumping, Chamber One. I'm not singing that. Rubbish. I get knocked down, but I get up again. No, you're never going to keep me down. I get knocked down. Stay down. Stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> number one, Men in Black by Will Smith. Here, Here come the Men in Black, Men in Black. <laughs> What a terrible song. Terrible a Terrible scene. movie. Terrible. But you love that movie. Men in Black. Didn't like the original. Think about that. Oh, it's got right. aliens in it, of course. Yeah, you wouldn't like it. We've got a new one coming out. What? New Men in Black. No, nah, not watching that. Uh, I think it's Thor. Is he in it? No, Thor's playing it. It's a re- redone one. Yeah, nah. Alright, uh, let's get into the album itself. So let's just quickly talk about just before this album, alright? So obviously What's the Story was a massive, massive uh, success. And then this came, right? Did it live up to the hype of what you know the expectations were? We'll get into that. Do I have sort of the same feeling as the journalists do? We'll get into that as well. But I want to talk about what happened in uh, 96. So this album came out in 97, like I talked about. 27th and 28th of April, they did the gig at Main Road which is the There and Then DVD. Yeah, huge. How much would you love to have been at that? Oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal, phenomenal. If you went to that gig, let us know. Yes, because... please, because I'd be well gel. Uh, well gel. Im- well gel. Hashtag well gel. Yeah, and then imagine... no haters. Oh, I, don't, I don't know where you got I don't that know. What came That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then imagine watching the DVD. And knowing that you no, were in that Yes. Crowd. Like, that's just phenomenal, right? Anyway, then they did a couple of nights at Loch Lomond. 80,000 people each night in Loch Lomond. Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. I tried to get tickets Why for that. Did, yeah, I was about to ask Yeah, I you. tried. Okay. Failed. How did you try and get the tickets for it? Was it through that... The, you the had sh- to, do you know in those days you phoned? 
Oh, okay. And you had to be on the phone. And I've got a story about that coming up. Okay, But, cool. um, yeah, it wasn't like you just jump on, ticket-take and wait. We had one shop in Perth, didn't we, that you could get tickets from sometimes. Yeah, so you had to queue outside, outside, outside the shop. Or you rang. So you sat on the phone. Do you remember the name of the song? The name of the shop? I remember. Uh, Go on. Revolution. Gold Rush. Gold Rush. Well, there was two. Where was Revolution? Well, there was one. Concord. Rev- yeah. Okay, two. cool. All right. Uh, then... Net worth, right? So I got my Tina Park tickets. Oh. <sighs> I don't know why I So net worth was on the 10th and 11th of August. 125,000 people each night. Right? That's incredible. It's insane. Two and a half million people applied for tickets, which is the largest ever demand for tickets to an event ever. Their support. Can I tell you who they were supported by? Yeah. The Charlatans. Brilliant. Kula Shaka. Oh, no. Manic Street Preachers <gasps> The Bootleg Beatles They love the beatlo- boot- Bootleg Beatles I saw them live Bootleg Beatles In Perth uh, Concert Hall Did you really? Yeah Yeah, You don't look like It was a oh, brilliant gig It is what it is Well it is what it is Supported by also The Chemical Brothers Wow Ocean Colour Scene And The Prodigy I mean that's what Dreams are made of That's true I mean look at that lineup. That's insane right Um so there's 7,000 people on the guest list alone, and they had 3,000 crew members at that event. If you went to Nebworth, please let us know as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. At the time, it was the largest freestanding UK concert. However, that was le- later beaten by... Um, I don't know. Your nemesis, Les. My nemesis? Yep. They've got a few. You, yours, personally. You have ranted and hated on this person since episode one. Robbie Williams. There you go, bang. Robbie Williams did three nights at Networth. Christ. So yeah, so after so massive success when they're touring. They are absolutely massive, right? After Networth, in September of '96, they appeared on MTV Unplugged. (laughs) This is where things get mental. Liam pulled out was with a sore throat. Yes. Right. So Noel sang, right? But Liam sat up watching. Yeah, yeah. so so there's, there's, I actually watched a little sort of YouTube clip around it. And Liam, they were doing rehearsals. And Liam was late, right? Uh, sang like one song, stormed off, complaining of sore throat, disappeared. Came in the next day, same clothes, hand shaved, done anything different. Sang once up, buggered off again. So Noel just got, they were like, we're going to sing with Noel. It went all the way right up until the... They were literally about to get on stage and Liam just went, yeah, I'm not doing this. So Noel went on. So a lot of people sort of say this is the moment in time where Noel went, I don't need Liam, I can do this by myself. But it was funny because Liam was in the, in the balcony yeah. smoking, drinking and heckling Noel, which is just brutal. So yeah. anyway, that was, that was the first. They didn't do well in America, right? No, they didn't. Because this is where all the trouble starts, right? So anyway, immediately after, uh, they went to America. So MTV Plugged was in the UK. Uh, they went to America. Liam didn't go because he was buying a house with Patsy. Then he changed his mind and they played the MTV Music Video Awards. Apparently Liam sang horribly and spat at the camera. I couldn't find this. Did oh, you? No, but he probably did. I saw them singing Champagne Supernova, which is the one that apparently he was playing off tuna. And I was like, that sounds all right. I don't know, but I never saw him spat at the camera. If anyone has that clip, please send it to me. When they were touring and they hit North Carolina, no left the US. And that's when the papers started all the Oasis have broken up stuff. 
which you would have been devastated yeah, at. Yeah, devil. Devil. November 1996. Uh, so Liam was arrested in uh, for cocaine use, but he was cautioned. That was big news. Uh, in January, Noel said that drug taking was as normal as a cup of tea in the morning. This was when Brian Harvey from East 17 was fired for saying ecstasy was safe in response to a recent death for someone under the age of 18. Brian was condemned by then-PM John Major. Noel's response was in reference was to politicians were bigger drug users than musicians. Yeah. Uh, On the Brian Harvey thing, have you seen him in the news recently? No. It's not good. Oh no, what's he done? I'll tell you offline, but anyone, if you want to find out what what Brian Harvey from East 17 is up to, have a Google, it'll pop up. It's not good. Prior to the release of this album, the uh, band's management, Ignition and Creation Records, made journalists sign a non-disclosure contract when they were given pre-copies of Be Here Now, which was a red cassette tape. How much would you love to have that? Well, it didn't. It didn't make the journalists happy. They they couldn't talk to. They couldn't listen to it with anyone around. They couldn't talk to anyone around. So it was like they were. You can see why. Why? Why go through the path? Why do you want to get it? You don't want it leaked. You want it to come out and be released and people hear it for the first time then. Yeah. Not because journalists leaked it. It's boring. But were they the first ever band to do this? That's what I don't... I think... I honestly think... I'll talk about it later on. But I honestly think this is one of the most anticipated albums of all time. Okay. And that's why. This wasn't just, oh, we just released a new album, here's a couple of tracks, let me know what you think. Yeah. This was like, the anticipation of this album was, was like, ridiculous. And I don't think there will ever be an album an- as anticipated as much again. Okay. I really don't. So you can understand it. Also, they had egos the size of God knows what. So, like, there's a mixture of things there. But I kind of get it. You can't really do it now. Things get streamed. There's like, it's... This is pre. This is pre-streaming. This is pre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is like you're, you're waiting to go and buy your copy of the album, and they just want it to be released okay. the way they want it released. Apparently, so the Quietus um, talks about journalist Del Fidel, Deli Fidel, getting his copy and not being able to talk it or play it within anyone's earshot. He buried the tape in his garden after he completed his review because he was so worried and, and about getting legal on him. That he hid it in his back garden. <laughs> bit hectic, but... Apparently lawsuits were made too, especially to fan-made MIPS websites that carried any of the album. So they were going all out to stop this being released, right? When they released Do You Know What I Mean, they called the police on three radio stations who played it too early. Apparently they removed a bunch of tracks from Radio 1 and Steve Lamack because they felt that there was not enough jingles between the songs and voiceovers to stop home recorders. Did you tape any of that? I didn't actually know because I think that I would. I just wanted to buy it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, apparently, Creation Records got a specialist in to check if anyone's phones had been tapped for everyone involved. They were that paranoid. That's hectic. I know. Full on, eh? Looking back, some of the journalists have said that this may have swayed their views due to the underrating of one. What's the story? Morning Glory, and then the uniqueness of the secrecy around this album, creating an event mentality. So, there was a lot of hush about this, the red cassette tapes, the sign this, and all this sort of yep. stuff, that it, it, it caused this swelling of, this is something special. And I think that... But it would have anyway. 
I think it would have anyway. Okay. What's the story, Morning Glory, was one of the biggest albums ever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. At this point in time now, Oasis are absolutely ingrained in British culture. They ingrained. Are. Yep. Right? So... I can't, I can't, I reckon if they didn't do the red tape thing in the whole, it wouldn't have mattered. This was like the most anticipated album ever. Okay. Do you, well, let's, let's talk about it now then. Do you think the journalists got it wrong in that? Do you think that as an, a journalist they would have gone, oh, I was a bit harsh on what's the story and I completely screwed that up. I've got to overcompensate on this album. I don't know, it sounds no. like a weird thing to say as a professional, right? Like, I don't think so. Like. Because this album got a lot of five star reviews. A lot, when it came out. Because I think, right, I think it's one of those things where the, the anticipation. Um, what's actually happening at that time. I, I think it's more than just the songs, right? So. If we dig into it, right, now's probably a good time. If you think about what's happening then, so let's just lock and load in that period in time. So 1997, boom. We're waiting for this album to come out, right? Yeah. This is at the hype of Cool Britannia, Britpop, whole thing. You've got New Labour's just won the election. Yes, Whoa. Tony Blair's in. Tony Blair's in. Everybody's exciting. Yeah. Princess Diana dies. Massive outpouring of grief. Brings the nation together. For the first, like, Radiohead... Uh, headline Glastonbury yes. with OK Computer massive Oasis are so woven into this culture um, that well they were everywhere they, they were everywhere yeah. what, what's the story Morning Glory was like a cultural phenomenon I've read loads of stories I mean you name me a person that wouldn't know how to sing Wonderwall like seriously good point like I feel that was a collective moment in itself that song with everything else going on around it so yeah. then you've got um You've got all of this build-up, and there's a couple of things I've read, and I think it's true, that you only really get moments like these when there is a genuine democratic change. You had it in the 60s, -hmm. and you had it with the Beatles, Mm -hmm. and you were having it again in the mid to late 90s with New Labour plus Britpop. There was so much going on. There was a sense of, like I've said for you before, like this proud-to-be-British, this whole thing... Music's great, culturally. Yeah. They're a working class band. You can relate to Oasis. Okay. They were clowns that went to school kicking a football about, that just learned to play the guitar. Yeah. No dyslexic and he's writing some of the best songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Like, that's relatable. This is not a pop band and they all look like their models. And this is like, people like me, I would bought a guitar. I want to write songs like that. I want to sing songs. Okay. Huge. Just me, that, even that build up alone, they're about to release. I think, one of the most anticipated albums of all time. How are you actually going to tell the nation it's crap? <laughs> no, but seriously, think of that pressure. You're going to get, oh, I don't like it. Do you want to be that journalist? I don't want to be that journalist. Oh. Even I don't know if I could slag it off. Because I don't even know if you're going to listen to it with a with an unbiased opinion. Because you're already built into the yeah, frenzy. You yeah, you're right. Every, like 350,000 copies sold on the first day. There were kids who were about to get their exam results, didn't even get wait for those. They went down to HMV Hour Price to go and buy that album. Yeah. Like it was huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, and then you get, so then you're probably listening to it on a crest of a wave. And then 
it's probably not till later when you go, I should probably listen to this properly. And that and all of that fanfare's died down, and then you go, <laughs> Well, it's not really what's the story in Morning Glory, is it? Correct. So I understand it. And okay. I'm the same. I actually think that that's when I I just think I listen to it over and over. I love it, love it. I still do, but not it okay. hasn't stood up the same as the rest. And okay. I think we'll get to that. But we'll get to that. Yeah. All right. I can totally see how that um happened. I actually think it's a great... That will never happen again. And I, I don't think in our lifetime... The hype around the album? Never. With such a cultural... Has there been one since? No. No, I don't think and so. And it won't again. I mean, it, the, the, it was the um, fastest selling British album of all time until Adele knocked it off. So there's a bit of anticipation around that. But that's not a cultural thing. That's just people like Adele. True. And everyone, and that's not just that. That's not like your mum likes Adele, your gran likes Adele, your friend likes Adele. It's just because everybody likes Adele. It's not really because it's. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's an album. I know what that, you mean. So it's not going to happen again. So I think that we can get all, you know, technical and all like reviewy and dig into the songs one by one. But for a moment in time, brilliant. I am so pleased I was a teenager then. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll talk about that later. I just think it's, oh, brilliant. Actually, let's pause for a second, right? Let's pause, right? Yeah. On, on the 90s, yeah. right? So it's funny, when I was in the 90s, musically, I was really unhappy with the state of music. Because, and this, hold Jeez. on, bear with me here. Did you see the singles chart we just went through? Yeah, singles. Hold on. But there's some real crap music around that time. And then we're about to get into to boy band, girl band time, which is even worse, oh, yeah. right? So when we were in the 90s, I don't think we realised how fortunate we were to have the Britpop movement in terms of these great bands. And then for me, the electronic dance side of things like the Chemical Brothers, Prodigy and Orbital and all those great, great bands. And it was only when we came out of that and we started going into the 2000 era that we went, actually, that... The music that came out of the 90s was something special. And that's yeah. still how I feel about that now. While I was in it, I thought, this is I terrible. I disagree. I think it's the other way for me. I don't think... I think that was the time of my life where I loved music the most. Right. And I feel like I'm getting back to that again because we're doing this podcast. But that was... It consumed me. But that's what I mean. Cassettes, that's... albums... Digging in other bands, what was going to get released, the music was out, buying a guitar, I was just obsessed. And okay. it was all of, not the charts, the, the singles like per se, but the albums that were coming, that, read that album chart again. Like, there was the a album lot. chart was okay. I, I don't think I was sitting there thinking as a 16 or 17 year old, I wonder what the state of music is, versus, like, I was in it. So I was living in it in that moment. I don't even think I gave it that thought. I just thought, this is amazing. You've got your parents and other generations going, oh, what's this oasis? It's rubbish. Like, have you ever, have you heard, have you, you should just listen to ABBA, right, Dad? Um, so. What does know, he do? His ab workouts too? Yeah. Black box. Black box. <laughs> um, the 90s. Yeah, but, like, I just think that, you know, I had oasis posters. Why have you got, what, what are those ugly buggers, buggers on your wall? Whatever, Dad, get out. <laughs> so, like, do you know, like, I just, I was so well into it. Like entrenched in it, I actually didn't think music did was think, better. Did you think the nineties would ever be looked on as it was 
I didn't. I. I, no, I don't think I gave it any thought because like, I just think I was a teenager. I just think I didn't care. I just loved it at that particular time. No, I don't. I, don't. I think about it now because, like, I'm older and I, fl- I reflect on it, and it means a lot to me. Yeah. But I don't think. Even in the mid two thousands, I was probably even in my mid twenties, I was probably going, "This is a lot of pants." <laughs> like what was coming out. Yeah. Versus the two thousands was terrible. Terrible. But um. But that's what I mean. I don't, I don't think that I, in the nineties, I didn't think music was that was that great. And I, and some of the stuff that was on top of the pops or the chart show and all this, it was terrible. It was terrible, terrible music. But now when I look back at the nineties, I go, I'm so lucky. I was I was in there. Yeah. And I had to put up with the Wigfield Saturday nights. Yeah. No. Because I got albums like this and I, I get to see Twigfield. great dance acts. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we went through some pap to get some really good yeah. acts. Anyway, right. Should we get back into the album? Yeah. All right. Q Magazine called this album Cocaine Set to Music. <laughs> it's accurate, accurate. In the Live Forever doc, and we'll talk about after the release, but I, I thought this was funny. In the Live Forever documentary, which I watched again recently, Noel said the same thing, actually saying that the album sounded like Wayne's World. <laughs> With a riff between every Liam vocal and no bass whatsoever. Which is, yeah. we will get into that a little bit later on. So I do want to talk he also about said... Bass, he completely disowns it and he says it's the sound of five men in the studio on coke not giving a F. <laughs> and I'm like that, do you know what? You're a rock star who cares. Okay. So Noel at this Noel at least realised this and was going down the, the record months prior from this August release. It's rocking, but it's not innovative, he said in February ninety seven. There's no new ideas going on, it's just us. So he was trying to like tone it down a bit before the release. Owen Morris said the only reason anyone was out there was the money. Noel had decided Liam was a beep singer, crap singer. Liam had decided he hated Noel's songs. Massive <laughs> amounts of drugs, big fights, bad vibes, and crap recordings. So, I mean, he... Uh, there was trouble. There was trouble. The fact that it was recorded all over the place as well. Drugs were obviously involved. This is the height of Liam and Noel, really. Imagine the pressure. Other. Stop and think about that. You've just released, definitely maybe, you're just a kickabout band who are about to change the way that we look at... Look at music, Look yeah. at music, right? So they're on the crest of a wave, young, don't care, mm-hmm. right, loving it. Then they go into the studio again and they create an absolute masterpiece mm-hmm. um, that absolutely resonates with like loads of generations, amazing songs that will always sing for the rest of mm-hmm. time. Yep. You've got to then do a follow-up to... How do you write a follow-up to What's the Story, Morning Glory? How do you do that? This isn't just like, it was an okay album, we're going to write another one. This is like, this has been the biggest album. It's been in the charts for weeks and weeks and months. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you write that? And how do you also write that when you're as... I think I know the answer to this one. Is it I take lots of drugs, drink lots of booze, and I throw anything out? Is Is that the answer? But that's... I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's the correct way to go around it. But then I think about, you know, I don't know if Liam's the most responsible of people. I'm not, I'm not sure he was going, there's a lot of weight on my shoulders to really help Noel produce an album of a generation. That's I a think good. he's going, I've all of a sudden come from a working class estate. I am now, I am now the biggest rock star mm-hmm. on the planet. Okay. And I'm just going to absolutely smash it. 
There's part, you can't... To be fair, to be fair. Right? And also, that there has to be this wave of, of confidence or not... Arrogance, maybe, as well. Borderline, because, borderline. I mean, we just talked about, you know, the, the gigs at Main Road, Nepworth. I mean, really, you've you, you've got to be feeling that anything you put out will be well-received, right? 100%. I mean, I just listened to... The, I listened to the, the album today, right? And it has the um, remastered version, which has like 40-odd bloody songs on it. And there was My Big Mouth, mouth live at Nepworth. And and I think Noel or Liam introduces it as like, this is one of our new ones. This is the best rock song ever. And I go, and I sort of went, did you believe that? Or are you selling it? Just, what are you doing? He's probably eight pints in. <laughs> it's probably half cut. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> best song ever. What one are we doing? What is it again? What are we doing Wonderwall? No, my, my big mouth. Here we go. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So on the release, you talked about it. So 696,000 yep. copies in the first week. Yes. It became the Britain's fastest selling album and it held that record until Adele released 25, yep. which you talked about. 18 years later, do you have Adele's album, Leslie? Not that one. No? I've got the other one. Oh, like what, what's, 25? what's the one that's got Rolling in the Deep? Isn't that 25? No, I think no. I, I, don't, I, don't know. I have no idea. I've that one. I is don't she... have that one. That's not that good. She the just... other one's better. She just recently broke up from a partner, didn't she? Yeah. So we're Adele's getting... a legend, though. Oh, she's brilliant. Absolute legend. Like, I, if you watch her on... Um... The live blitz. Yeah. Oh, and brilliant. then if you watch her on Carpool Karaoke... Oh, I don't think I've seen she's, that. She's just so normal and down-to-earth and funny. She's I just brilliant. think she's wicked. Yeah. Great voice. Uh, there's a clip on YouTube of her. She was in uh, Australia... And she's been attacked, I think, by a moth. It is. She must drop so many expletives trying to brilliant. get this moth out of her face. It's brilliant. Um, I want to talk to you about this. I want to ask you a question. This is Pitchfork. Pitchfork wrote this. It wasn't just the end of Oasis's imperial pe- period, but the record industries as well. Ten days after the album came out, Princess Di was killed in a car accident, mm-hmm. shifting the national mood towards mass grief and mawkish sentimentality Britpop receded to make way for a more humble kind of rock star in the likes of Travis and Coldplay discuss okay discuss um I don't think that was the catalyst okay I think I just think that music um because music does change now music changes and I think you don't get any more hedonistic than this Yes. How do you top that? Yes. You don't. Yeah. Who's going to top it? No one. So you've kind of lived that now. Mm-hmm. And yes, they did. But I also think, if you think about it, like Princess Diana Death, yes, there was a, an outpouring of grief. Yeah. Um, Candle in the Wind went to number it one. Did. Whole thing. And um, I get that. I don't think that was a catalyst. I don't think Travis went, oh, it's now time to write The Man Who because that happened. No, no, so, no, no, not at all. Don't think that happened. But I think. Um, but they also worked with the Radiohead producer. So they, they, Radiohead went, if, if my memory serves me right, when Radiohead went into the OK Computer stage, that was the same producer who did Travis's album. So they changed sound. So I think there was just a natural shift. And I think part of it is that political part. You've got the build up to a change of government. So there's this optimism. Get the Tories out, we're sick of them. Mm. These guys are going to be the new thing, blah, mm. blah. Bit of an anticlimax when it happens. And then we go down another path. Yeah. He, he sends us into 
a war that we shouldn't have been in. Yeah. Whole thing. Mood changes then. Yes. So, yes, different things. Music does change. Um, you can't top this. How can you top that? That's as hedonistic as it gets. There's Ooh. a Rolls Royce in a swimming pool. <laughs> That's a good point. Do you... Because a lot of bands change their sound by now. We talked about Radiohead. Travis, obviously Coldplay on the horizon. Um, Pulp changed their sound from different class as well. Should they have changed here? Like, should they have, have felt that they needed to do something different? Or the timing wasn't right for this? But they did change. This okay. is a change. Okay. This is not... This is a bit of a change. How do you explain... Well, go on then. What, what, what changed? There is... Um... What do you feel is different? Oh, well, it's the most bloated, <laughs> overproduced album you've heard in your entire life. There's no rawness to this. Well, there is, and I'll talk about there's a There's a couple of raw songs, and I think they stand out for me. But, um, yeah, there's a ton of trumpet. I mean, there's no trumpets in what's the story. Like, it's... Like, there's... It's, it's a change. It's a change in sound, because what they've... They lost what made them them in the fact it was raw. I agree. And so definitely maybe it's raw, like it's gritty, to the point where it it's like no one produced it. Really gritty. Um, What's the Story has that same, it's a bit more, better produced, probably, um, and it has more softer moments, because mm-hmm. you've got Cast No Shadow, you've got mm. Wonderwall. Yeah. You've still got, though, like the What's the Story, yeah. you've still got those ones. This... Turns the other way. Like, there's no edge. Correct. There isn't an edge. Yeah, okay. Um, it's a bunch of... Like, well, no. Do you know what I mean? There's still an edge. That's, for me, really the only edge I can think about. It's funny when Maybe you... my big mouth, but that's probably the only one that you go... There you go. The mm. rest of it, like, magic pie. We'll talk about that. So we'll get into the tracks. Um, probably the one thing I'll say on that is the the Spotify version, which I've been harking on about, has forty songs, right? And it has the, the the sort of master the demos of some of these songs, and so they're very cut back, and it's they're more the the Wonder Wall, the Cast No Shadows, and so there's there's hints of what that song could have been, and then they just turned up the volume to fifteen and crammed everything in and yeah. made it trumpets and strings and all sorts. All right, so yeah, it's there's there's glimpses of it. Um, all right, so Noel, when he was interviewed in 2008, what's your biggest regret career-wise? I wish we'd let What's the Story, Morning Glory settle and go away. It was still number five in the Billboard 100 when we started making Be Here Now. I wish someone who's, who's paid to be bright and clever had told us to go away and do a bit of living. But we were, but we were fueled by youth and cocaine. Everything was going to be bigger and better. We were surrounded by people telling us it was the greatest thing they'd ever heard. When you're the cash cow that lays the golden goose egg, people are always going to cheer you on, whatever. Thoughts? It's fair, isn't it? Like, if, if you've got everyone surrounding you telling you that it's the best thing they've ever heard, then you're going to get caught up in it. But he's right, they should have took a year off. Because if they'd taken... Well, sorry, they should have taken longer time off because then they maybe would have seen the mood, the mood change and the sound change. And maybe that would have changed this album. Softer, but I don't know if that. I think the mood change and stuff happen after this. Yeah. So I don't know if that's necessarily the case. <sighs> I think there is the crux of a great album in "Be Here Now," mm-hmm. and I do think it's just the inflation of a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because some of this, there are 
good songs and it, it, it had potential if it didn't get so isn't that our report cards at school yeah that's pretty much mine <laughs> had potential if only applies oneself 100% <laughs> um, so Noel also was asked what are you most ashamed of I regret going to Caribbean Island of Mystique with Mick Jagger, Jerry Hall, Johnny Depp and Kate Moss and trying to write Be Here Now. I was doing it for the wrong reasons and that's how you get a situation where at the begin- beginning of Do You Know What I Mean, there's no music for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, I, he does, look, that comes up a lot about the first minute of Do You Know What I Mean. I don't mind it. I love the, the anticipation yeah, of I, hearing yeah. it. I love the hel- the helicopters yeah. and I, just, I love the feedback. I just for me it's fine. And when you compare it against your mates, the Stone Roses, and what was their opening track of the Second Coming? Uh, I've forgotten it. Four minutes of uh, sort of jungle sound effects, it's right? Not jungle. <laughs> but one, I can wait a minute. A minute's fine for me. Four minutes, a bit much. And it's not. Silence for a minute. It's kind of like a, it's yeah, a build it builds up. up. Yeah, and I'm I'm fine with that. All right. So Paul uh, Lester, who reviewed the album from Uncut in 2016, he said, "I was caught up in the excitement of it all." Lester says, "I'm so sorry to everyone for that review, but the enormity of it was captivating. We were reviewing a moment in history and stalking our part in it. It was like seeing the great behemoth of a spaceship in Close Encounters. You fell awed into submission." And that's the general feeling about journalists. And I, yeah, you, you talked about it. It's absolutely, you get swelled up in this. Yeah, it does. Uh, wave of anticipation. It would be hard not to. I just don't know how you would. You're a human being. I want to talk about um, one thing in the Live Forever doc. And it's uh, Louise Wenner um, says this from Sleeper. She blames Robbie Williams for killing Britpop. I'd, I'd agree. I'm up there with that. However. Hold on. Do you want to know why? Why? Hold on. She said, she said Robbie actually killed it when he made he basically said when he made Angels Sleeper were pulled in to listen listen to the track and she asked Robbie what he, what he thought of the song and he said it's an 11 out of 10 and she thought that Ro- Robbie making that song sounded like Oasis and that was it the minute that Robbie started to cover or sound like an Oasis all the Britpop bands were done your thoughts I mean you hate that album in the first place you hate that song uh, yeah and him so, um, we were going to review a Robbie Williams album at some stage. Why would we do that? Because people send them to us. Do they? It's a few people send them back. <laughs> Return to sender. Address unknown. No such number. No such code. That's what I think of Robbie Williams. Um, so I have twelve Tw- theories. Twelve of what killed Britpop. I don't know this. All right, 12 theories. Please take me through this. So, I found this uh, article in NME. Made me laugh out loud. So, 12 theories what killed Britpop. Hashtag low. Hashtag low. Hashtag no haters. (laughs) I don't know where that's coming from. So, number one. Go. Tony Blair. Yeah, okay. Britpop and Blair were supposed to symbolise the dawning of a confident New Britain. Blair was the youngest PM since 1812, played the guitar and famously once hosted Oasis, Alan McGee, etc. at number 10. But his involvement in the war in Iraq, in which scores of Arab children were violently slaughtered, soured the loving, tainting the Britpoppers who'd rubbed shoulders with him. 
So on that, in the Live Forever dot, there's the footage of Noel going with Alan yep. McGee and hobnobbing with uh, with Tony. Hobnobbing, hobnob like that. Jeez. Um, and Liam was asked, "Why didn't you go?" And ba- they basically said, "Why would I go? It's it's everything I'm against. It's everything I'm not interested in. Why? Why?" And and Noel sort of counters it and goes, "Well, I got the chance to go to number ten. Why why wouldn't I go? I wanted to have a look about." And he did. <laughs> he walked all over. I would have a look about. I, I would go. Yeah. I would go. Well, depends on the prime minister. Yeah, I wouldn't go now. Jeez. Yeah, we would never get out. Yep. Um, <laughs> number two. Yep. Radiohead. By the end of '97, OK Computer, an undoubted classic, but stormier than anything the likes of Blur and Pulp were producing had stomped killjoyishly on the feel-good factor spread by bands like Long Pigs, Boo Radleys. The Boo Radleys did not spread anything feel-good. <laughs> and Jean. Soon its gloom spread to London indie clubs, sparking a new wave of angst-ridden brooders where once were cheery, cheeky Britpoppers. Bang, I absolutely 100% agree with that. I would chuck in Travis the Man Who as well. Yeah. Because that, that completely changed everything. But yeah, agreed. The Boo Radleys, we haven't bagged them out for a while. Yeah, I enjoyed that. It was good. It's like um, uh, cathartic. Um, <laughs> so, number three, Nebworth. On the weekend of August oh. the 10th, 11th, 96, Britpop peaked. When Oasis played Nebworth Park in front of 125,000 each night, over two and a half million people tried to get tickets. It was the biggest gig in UK musical history at the time. A weekend or so lucrative for, for Oasis and creation, labels began queuing up to sign any old Oasis copycats with Ooh. sunglasses and a wonky walk. Does it give any examples? No. Oh, that's a shame. Number four. What do you think? Hold on, pause a bit. Okay. Who do you think? Who do you think would be a band that would fit into an Oasis copycat band? Well, funnily enough, a bit travesty. I mean, if you think about, what? if you think about, well, the, they, the Good Feeling album, that one. Yeah, but even a little bit like the man who writing to reach you, like they rip writing to reach you's oh, chords. Yeah, okay. Are exactly the same as Wonderwall. If you play it on the guitar, like without. Putting anything else in. Is it? Mm-hmm. Just a different strum pattern. And in one of the lyrics... Yeah, they, they mentioned Wonderwall. Well, what's the Wonderwall anyway? This song, you rip-off <laughs> merchant. <laughs> That's what it is. So, anyway. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't know There you this. go. Okay, but, cool. Oh, yeah. At uh, number four, Patsy Kensett. Um, it was the moment Britpop went high society. Kensett reclining on a union flag clad yeah. bed, oh. semi-naked with Liam Gallagher, above a cover line that squealed, London swings again. The aristocrats... Oh, the- not swinging again. No. Oh. <laughs> the-, the crankies were not there. Um, <laughs> they were just out of shot. <laughs> um, Britpop's poster girl in the genre which, from the Oasis Mike origins to Pulp's modest Sheffield beginnings, had strong roots in working class environments. Mm-hmm. We're doomed. So, Patsy Kensett? Um, I think, look, he just... They were just having a crack, weren't they? Just having a... Just having a crack. Just maybe loved each other at one point. Was that when Lethal Weapon 2 came out? I don't was know. that... Were they together when that one came out? I'll have to do some research on that. I'll, yeah. I'll have to go back and watch Lethal Weapon 2 a few yeah, times. Yeah, good. Me too. <laughs> um, number five. The new acoustic movement. So between Oasis releasing Be Here Now and Standing on the Shoulders of Giants, Travis released The Man Who. Sitting on the stools rather than sneering down mics became the norm. 
Turin Breaks, love them. Oh, yeah. Became totems of British guitar rock, and the supposed alternative flip side was epitomised by Badly Drawn Boy. Yes. A year later, the Namby Pambiness had gone terminal. Oh. <laughs> Good examples, though. Yeah. I mean, really, bang on. Number six. Lad- is our 12? 12. Can we come on? Lad Culture. Like all the best rock and roll, Britpop emerged as a musical refuge for people who felt different and overlooked by mainstream culture, a celebration of misfits. Along the way through, it was co-opted by a stella-swigging, FHM-reading lad culture that made the whole thing seem about booze, banter <laughs> and boorishness. Oh God, don't bring The nation up. eventually switched off. Number seven. Oh, so, they were, so just on that, that was they were tired of our behaviour. That it was quite laddish yeah. and... Yeah, that okay, was just cool. a bit over it. Okay, cool. Number seven was hard drugs. We'll move on. Number <laughs> eight um, was inflated egos. Uh, look, it speaks for themselves. We touched upon that with People them. People were tired of it. Yeah. Okay. Nine, too much musical ambition. By 97, Britpop had, according to Creation Records, Alan McGee just run out of steam. People like Jarvis Cocker and Damon Albarn had started to expand their sounds and do different things because they're geniuses, and that's what geniuses do. Their wandering artistic minds were always going to adventure into new territories. It's kind of true, isn't it? Really? Yeah. You're going to move. You're not just going to do the same thing over, like yeah. rinse and repeat. It's interesting you talked about Damon because I have, we, we didn't chuck it in, but Blur 13, that change of sound as well. Yeah. So yeah, okay, all right. Number 10, the money ran out. New bands were getting massive record deals all the time, remembers Elastica's um, Justin Welsh. You would stand next to someone holding a tower at a bus stop and three weeks later they'd be on the cover of NME. <laughs> Labels were throwing huge piles of cash at m- and milking Britpop for all it's worth. Eventually their fiscal recklessness caught up with them. Ah, uh, okay, cool. Uh, number 11, Princess Diana. Mm. The death of the people's princess in 97 puts such a huge dent in the public British public psyche that all of a sudden the breezy cheer of Britpop struggled to chime with audiences. Neither the nation's confidence nor Britpop would recover in a hurry. Mm. And the last one, bands patching up old rivalries. For some people, uh. Britpop never truly died, at least not until nine- 2013's collaboration between Noel Gallagher and Damon Albarn at a Teenage Cancer Trust show. We'll let Liam Gallagher explain this one. Noel killed Britpop. I'm into the Teenage Cancer Trust, but that was bollocks. <laughs> if you think that was genuine, you must be living on the effing moon. <laughs> so... There we go. A lot, of that, a lot of those we've actually touched upon. A lot of those are valid as well, right? Uh, none of them will be here now, though. After this album, Lil. Mm. Okay, so they, later in the year, uh, they released the compilation album The Master Plan. Wow. Yeah, what an album, right? Amazing. So it's we're not we we don't. This is not part of the chart because it's, no, it's kind it's of a compilation. It's not an album. Is the Master Plan better than Be Here Now, Lil? <laughs> Take a long pause and think about this one. And just feel the wave of Oasis tweets coming your way, depending on this answer. Oh man. There are more there are more great songs on the master plan than there isn't be here now. So what you're saying is I can't judge them because it's not an album. But you're But there are more songs, better songs. Which ones do you listen to more? Definitely, maybe. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably the. I'd probably listen to the master plan. Same. I, I, I'll take some heat off you for that one. But I'd probably listen to my own um, Oasis compilation of where I pick all the songs I love the most. So oh, do you have the a... Leslie Martin Oasis album. Okay, cool. 
It doesn't have Aquas on there. Of course it does. Because that's on the list of planning. That is. That of course it does. All right. Uh, the Knowles, Knowles said, The really interesting stuff from around that period is our B-sides. There's a lot more inspired music on the B-sides than there is on Be Here Now itself. <laughs> Has my top three songs. Do you, Can we quickly go through your top three Oasis songs? Oh, that's hard on the spot. Okay. Right. Can I tell you mine? I'll give, yeah. you, give, you, give you some time. Oh. One. Just talked about it. Acquiesce. Beautiful, beautiful song. Number two. Gas Panic. Number three. Columbia. Oh man. Gee. You haven't given me any this the, the, oh can I say it now and then I can rethink because I might miss something. Um slide well slide away is my number one. Okay, cool. That's good. I I've I'm not done one, two, three, they're all great. Okay. Slide so. away by far. Um I would say Rocking Chair. Oh, that's a nice song, isn't it? Yep. Uh, I would definitely say What's the Story, Morning Glory. Really? Love it. Really? Oh, your dreams of me. Yeah. Top three? Top, well, yeah, I'd say. It's hard because I'm going to change it now because I want to, I can't, you need to, like, I need to come back to that because maybe it's top five. Acquiesce would definitely be in there. Um, Supersonic, Colum- like, yeah, uh, yeah, you got to give me. So we just put the whole of definitely maybe in there? No, because there's tons of great B-sides. Um, like I do love um, Stay Young, Rocking Chair. Oh. Yeah, you're gonna have to like talk tonight. Oh, you love that song. Still do. Like you can't. Shall we? We'll part that because that sounds like an episode. And by don't itself. go away. Yeah, maybe there's an episode all by itself, just on you and your favourite Oasis songs. Right. Yeah. Okay. So after this, four hours long. <laughs> after this, there's a lot of change for Oasis. So Creation shut down in 1999. Alan McGee, poor boy. Oh, he was burnt out. He so was not- punching the winning. Great, great. What an achievement. <laughs> <sighs> Big things. I, oh, God, I'd never want to meet Alan McGee because if he heard what you said about him, we were in trouble. Uh, no, I think it was it was complimentary. I was giving him a big big high five. Big thumbs up. Nope. Hashtag no haters. <laughs> <laughs> Last, so Alan McGee was burnt out. Last album was Primal Scream Exterminator. Oasis albums were then being released through Big Brother Records mm-hmm. also in 99 Boned Paul Arthur and Gwigsy Paul McGuigan left the band yes oh yeah so Bonehead left during the recording of Standing on the Shoulder he's saying he, he basically needed more family time he was replaced by Jim Archer Bonehead what's he done since leaving DJing of course <laughs> radio and he's played in a band called The Vortex, Moondog One, and also he's done some work with BDI and toured with Liam Gallagher on some solo stuff. Gwigsy, left around the same time, he was replaced by... And, what, who, Andy and, Bell. Yeah, Andy Bell. Andy Bell from Hurricane Number 1, who's now in Ride. Not much on him, he seems like a really private guy. I think, this is my, I don't even know Gwigsy and Bonehead, but it sounds like the, the, it was just too big it got too big too mental and, and then they can could... you imagine being in a band with the Gallagher Brothers can you imagine it no it would do my head in could I, could, could I be in a band with one of them I don't know if I could do that either could yeah, you yeah who would you pick who would you be in a band with Liam 100% that's <laughs> a stupid question take your fan and fanboy moment out and think professionally 
Who would you rather be with? Well, Noel. Right, well, that's not the answer. But it's not, I'm not, it's not a job interview. Like, I'd, I, might, I asked you a serious question. I'd write the songs and play guitar. Liam could sing them in a right old time. I'll buy the red stripe. So. Noel, however. <laughs> <laughs> would be probably slightly less chaotic. Yeah, okay. And you'd probably get a sentence out of him that made sense. I reckon if you'd been working with them, you would have pushed out Black Star Dancing. You you would have been, that's the best what you've ever done. We're going to <laughs> Right, uh, what else we got? Owen Morris, he's gone. Yeah. Replaced by Mark Stent. So, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants, released in 2000, went to number one. What do you think of that album, though? Standing on the Shoulders of Giants? Uh... Oh, my God. I like it, but it's not... It kind of just all goes... Like, it's, it's continually just... Declines. For me, yeah. That's That's the symbol that you're doing that people the, can yeah, see. I, yeah, because look at that, yeah. Heathen Chemistry, 2002, number one again. Don't Believe the Truth, 2005, number one again. Dig Out Your Soul, 2008, number one again. Out of... Okay, let's go. Out of those four... Pick an album, your favourite. What, Standing? Standing from Dig Out Your Soul, go. Standing. Okay, take out Standing, which one's your favourite album? Heathen Chemistry. Oh God, you really have. I go in that order. Yeah, you do, okay, wow, alright. 2009, the band broke up. (laughs) After a fight between Noel and Liam in France, minute before they were about to go out on stage. Standard. Cancelled the gig. All those poor people just about to see Oasis. I'd be so sad. Not one of them went out and played to them, so they had to go home. All right, post-Oasis. Anything you want to chuck in here before I dive into what's happening now? No. Okay. So Noel, obviously, he's doing Noel Gallagher and the High Flying Bards. Three albums. Which one's your favourite? First one. Yep. Liam, he's done BDI with uh, Andy Bell, Jem Archer and Chris Chirac. Two albums. I'm not a huge fan of BDI. I didn't mind them. Yeah, fine, but not. Yeah, there are. Uh, but listen to it, not. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, didn't mind. Two albums and one solo, which is As You Were, which you really, really liked. Uh, I liked. Yeah, that's. I've got a note here. The BD album B album. I actually really liked that. Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. Okay. I don't go, oh, this is. I'm so glad that Oasis split up, so now we've got BDI. <laughs> 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 All right, should we get into the singles? You ready? Yeah. Alright, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. We're getting into the singles. Cool. Number. (laughs) That was brilliant. Brilliant. (laughs) Went to number one, released on the 7th of July 1997. The video, which is pretty iconic, and uh, they just re sort of remastered it and and made it look great. Directed by Dominic Hawley and Nick Goffey. Directed heaps. They've done The Chemical Brothers, Supergrass, Blue Tones, and Faithless. Wow. So the band are singing at Beckton Gasworks in London while helicopters fly overhead. Couple of extra things. Only two helicopters were used. They just copied them. <laughs> like cop copy, paste, copy, Fair paste. Enough. Looks good. Noel says it cost an absolute fortune. Did you know it has a drum beat in there from NWA's Straight Out of Compton? Did not. I swear. Now, on the song, on the video, I can't pick it up. But on the live version of it. They actually played a little sample, a little drum loop, for quite a bit before the song hits in. And I go, oh, yeah. Mm. There you go. Location, it's where Full Metal Jacket was filmed. Oh, wow. Have you seen that movie? Yes. I haven't seen it for years. Good movie. Do you like that movie? 
Because it's actually a good movie. <laughs> probably not. Won some awards, probably. Did it? Probably. Did it win a few? I reckon. That's why you like it. Love it. Uh, the Morse code in the background. Do you know anything about that? I know what Morse code is, if that's what you're asking. Was inspired by strawberry fields and apparently spells bugger all. Like, actually spells bugger all. Um, Alright, it's, like I said, sold 370k in the first week, 162k on the first day, and it also had on the B-side... I don't know. Stay Young. Stay Young, of course. Which is a lovely song. Um, I um, remember that single as clear as day. I remember the cover, I remember it being cardboard, I remember opening it up, I remember being so excited. Like, I remember that moment as clear as day. Wow. Okay. Hey, stay young and invincible. Okay. I love... I just played you the Knowles Rethink from 2016. I would rather he didn't. Because again, I don't want to hear strings and... You don't like it? I I don't really like it. I don't dislike it. Well, first of all, there's a bass coming through on it. No. I love the original one. I just love Oasis when they're raw. Okay. Well, he was going to remaster the whole... Like, do more re-edits. And after that, that, he went, went, I'm not doing any of that. And just did that one song. Do you know how hard that would be? How do you remaster all around the world? God almighty. Delete it. Put it in the trash can. Oh. Oh. Sorry, we haven't, we haven't got to that point yet. Wow. Don't, don't say that, Kev. It's just a bit sick in my mouth. Did you watch the video too? <gasps> two for two, two for two. All right, stand by me. Didn't go to number one, it went to number two. Why didn't it go to number two, Les? I don't know why. Because Candle in the Wind was number one. Oh, jeez. Oh. So it was released in 22nd of September, 97. It's actually a pretty clever video where the first half is showing people doing like criminal stuff, like trying to, looks like if someone's going to steal a handbag or looks like someone's going to crash into someone. And then at the end, it shows that these people were actually saving the people, mm-hmm. not criminals. It's actually really clever. Um, Noel said on this, there is an, a brilliant YouTube video, it's 10 minutes, I'll post it, where Noel goes through every single Oasis video and he slags them, like rips them. And his quote in this video is like, if you ever need someone to walk in slow motion, that was us. It was like someone went, Oasis can do next nothing on a video, just make them walk in slow motion. Because that's literally on every single video. Brilliant. <laughs> All around the world. <laughs> Jesus. Number one, released on 12th of Jan, 1998. Did you watch the video for this? Yes. Yeah. Can we, go on. What do I think of Yeah. It's probably the same as what I think of this song. Oh, really? Oh, okay. I didn't think you'd say that, actually. this The, the video is a mess. And, I, you know, I posted it this week and some people genuinely really like the video. And they... Oh, it's okay. But it's just... Do you know what it is? It's just symptomatic of the whole over... It's just getting a bit carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um, he goes... He goes... Noel goes... He's like, oh God, if you're watching this, just go out and mow the lawn. Do the lawn and come back, it will still be going. Yeah. And then he goes, good Lord, just shut up. <laughs> um, it does hold the record for the longest ever UK number one in terms of track length. Yeah, because it's long. Don't Go Away was released in Japan only in, uh, in February 1998. The band sing in a red room and they sort of change sizes. I haven't so you... seen this. No, it, was only, it wasn't released in the UK, it was released in Japan. Oh. And the band are like small knolls. 
and then you've got big Liam's standing next to each other. It's like it's all distorted sizes. Um, and then people are floating through the sky and they drop down and then with umbrellas and then they're the orchestra that play. Um, the guy who'd done it was a guy called Nigel Dick, right? He's directed 500 music videos. He's done most of the Oasis videos, Wonderwall, Don't Look Back in Anger, Rock and Roll Star. He's also done Manson's Wide Open Space oh. and Kula Shakar's Tatva. And then he's done... Backstreet Boys, Guns N' Roses, Cher, Westlife, Nickelback, Def Leppard, The Chords, The Real McCoy. Sing me a real another McCoy. Another night, another dream, but always you. Thank it's you. like a vision of love, it seems to be true. Another night, another dream. Wow, you Oh, God. Brilliant. I didn't get to sing a lot this time. Tears for Fears. Oh, yeah. And he did Britney Spears one more time. But also that was the one My loneliness the... is killing me And I Must get again <laughs> Move on Shall we get into the tracks? Yes please Oh god let's go Do you know what I mean? Your I thoughts? love it okay. Great start to the album okay. um, I You tell me a track That starts off an album In such a Boom Here I am Big hitter Great start to the album I still think it's one of the best starts to an album I genuinely do Okay I actually really like it I think it's a great start to an album I really like the the ending The last minute is phenomenal I didn't know the song was about his abusive father Did you? Yes I met my maker I made him cry Which is really full on lyrics It's a punch in the face of an opening track It is It is Boom. It is So Noel said that Um Coming in a mess and we're going out in style. I love it. No said. We were a bunch of scruffs from Manchester and we're going out in a Rolls Royce. Um, I really enjoy this track. Yeah. I think it's one of the best tracks on this album. We're playing it? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you know what I mean? goes like this. My big mouth. Love it. What? My big mouth. And it's my big name. I love it. It's like, it's just raw. It's just Oasis. All right. So this is what turns me off Oasis. <laughs> because this is where they get into that heavier style where I just didn't like. I, I didn't like, and there's a, there's a couple of songs on here, which is the more heavier, more guitar-y, more rocky. I, I don't, just don't like it. Okay. Um, so I've gone, I don't like this. Too heavy for me. This is what drove me away from the band. Noel to Q Magazine said, Into my big mouth you could fly a plane. I love it. Even if I'm not interested in what I've got to say half the time, but I ain't never spoke to God. I ain't never been to heaven. That's about fans who think you're on the phone to John Lennon and think you have all the answers. Like, so it's all about, you know, like he says stuff that gets him into trouble or, you know, he's when someone famous, when he meets someone, he'll always put his foot in it. Yeah. Um... There are 30 guitar tracks on the song, Leslie. 30. Yeah, good. Is that fine? Oh, I'm absolutely fine with that. I don't want to play this song. I think there's much better songs for us to play. What? Much better songs. Great, we're moving on. Magic Pie! Do not play this. You, and I remember, you loved this song. What happened? I still like it, but it's it's not aged... You don't think it's aged? No. I really like the song. 
I'm spat over the table at you. Oh, nah, no thanks. I'd rather you played my big mouth than this. Well, I'm not going to. Okay. Um, so apparently they fought over who was actually going to sing this. Oh, it's a no best no singing. This. Oh, by far. In the opening line, an extraordinary guy can never have an ordinary day. That's like that's just. Gr- oh, that's the thing about Magic Pie. Verse, love it. Chorus, don't like it. Four, like it. Oh, don't. Like- yeah. That. That's you, what. It? Yeah. All right. It comes from basically um, Liam asking Noel, how come I always get in trouble? Well, because, you know, you always put your foot in it and you're always doing weird things and, yeah. And you're an extraordinary guy, basically. He stole a line from taking uh, Tony Blair as well in here. The line, there are but a thousand days preparing for a thousand years. That's from a Tony Blair speech earlier on in the year. Well, well. The jazzy bit at the end is played on a Mellotron which was made especially for the Beatles' Abbey Road sessions. Wow. You know the really jazzy bit yeah. at the end? I really... <laughs> love that. I want to play Magic Pie because it's probably... Again, I really like this. Magic Pie is this. Dirty shop. That's so Scottish, isn't it? Girl in the dirty shop. Yeah, you missed a song. Have I? Yes. What did I miss? Oh yeah, I have. So- you missed a couple. Oh yeah, I've gone right to the very end. I've had double pages. Go on. Next is "Stand by Me." Hello, I know off by heart. Oh yeah, totally missed that. Of course, yeah, go. Um, I did too. I threw the whole page away. Maybe that's why. "Stand by Me." Go. Sorry, go on. <laughs> I love it. I know you do. I absolutely love it. That just brings back tons and tons. Of memories, it's just a beautiful song. Tell me, I mean, you can't, you can't dislike "Stand by Me." Made a meal and threw it up on Sunday. Sounds like my whole life at uni. <laughs> <laughs> Fits, yeah. Use that lyric. Boom. Um, love it. Like I absolutely love it. Look, is it an amazing? This is the thing I'm gonna get. This is where I get confused because, like, if we're gonna do proper musical review. Then is it one of the best Oasis songs? No. Is it, is one, it of your one of favourite? Yes, because of the time. So this is where you get this is where you get the bloody lines. If I'm doing it from a music critic perspective, good song, certainly not one of their best. If I'm doing it from my perspective, what's from your perspective? Memories is... just come flooding back. I know every single lyric. I can sing it off by heart. I know how to play it on the guitar. I love it. Okay. Uh, and you're playing it. I wasn't going to, but I will. I what will. do you mean? Oh, I just don't. Who's you're not getting to play all this? this isn't no, no, no. If I, if you, there's no way you could not play this, and you played Magic Pie. I like Magic Pie. All right, so stand by me. Um, like you said, it starts made a meal and threw it up on Sunday. Um, Noel said when he first moved to London, London, his mum kept ringing to check up on him. He tried to cook a Sunday roast and got really sick and puked for two days, and so he went back to pot noodles. Pot noodles, Les. Oh, I haven't had a pot Amazing. noodle in years. Beef and tomato, I think. The sweet and sour. I like the chicken curry one. Oh, no. can't. No. But um, I've said it's very cheesy. Very, very cheesy. However, I really like the, the strings at the Says end. the man at like Family Tree. Well, that's a gorgeous song. I'll wait you. But the, the strings at the end of the song are absolutely gorgeous. All right, I'll play it for you. Yes, you're going to play it. Here's Stand By Me. Yeah. 
check I've got the facts right. Well, so I, I hope, hope I think I, think it, I know. I know it off by heart. You don't even need your notes. <laughs> Go on. What do you think? Um, as we beg and steal and borrow, life is in miss and this. I hope I think I know if I ever see the names you call. <laughs> and if I stumble, catch me when I fall. Because baby, after okay. all, you'll never forget my name. Yeah, I like it. Uh, it's alright. I know the words. I like your version. Yeah. Your version's brilliant. Um, Love it. It was very close to by Big Mo- My Big Mouth for me. In the oh, way that it sounds. God, you need to clear your ears. Well, it can't be that good because I don't think Oasis have ever played it live. Yeah, it's not the best in the album. I like it. It's a bit boppy. Uh, I'm not playing it. I don't, okay. well, I don't... you don't have to. I did it. Oh, yeah, you did the yeah. whole version. The girl in the dirty shirt is it? <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. Go on. This is an amazing... This is one of my favourite songs on the album. Why? Are you kidding? No, I've got... I'm all right. It's all right. One of my favourites on the album. Why is it your favourite? Um, I don't... It's, and it's not got tons of like special meaning or anything. I just think this has always been one of the standout tracks on the um, the album. I just think it's a gorgeous song. Well, the lyrics are really nice. Apparently, it's about Noel's Mrs. Meg. If I may be so bold, actually, do you want to sing? Can you sing? Yeah. As if if I can be so bold that I just say something, come and make me my day. The clouds around you, so don't gather there for nothing. But I can chase them all away. That's nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Lovely, isn't I it? I got a feeling okay, that's lost I'm gonna play it. I'm gonna play it. it. Just I'm gonna play it. <laughs> <laughs> the chord structure came straight from the Beatles' Cry Baby Cry. Alright. Uh, but I also think it's got a bit of small faces and the with the Wurlitzer at the end. So I will play The Girl with the Dirty Shirt. Even though Leslie's just sang all for you. Yeah, it'll be better if you play it than my version. Alright, here we go. Fade in out. You fade in out. Johnny Depp was on the song. I don't see no stars. A day is just a daydream. Tomorrow will be. Are you just going to sing the whole album? Tell me what you think. Um, I like the song. It's not great. I mean, it's not the best song on the album. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it's it's an alright song. I like the build up. I like where they. they Doesn't really fit. I don't get that. That's that'll be Johnny Depp's fault. I Doesn't really make sense because you've come out right. You think about it. Stand by me. Hope I think I know. Quite upbeat. Girl in dirty shirt. And you go into this. It's a bit like ooh. And then you come out of it Mm. into. Don't go away. Don't go away. And then you're like, I'm gonna cry. (laughs) Let's skip fading out. I'm not playing that. Get rid of it. I just want to talk about don't go away. Right. Let's, I think see, this let's is... see if we can get through this without Leslie crying. <laughs> I think, and I'm going to get absolutely battered by any other Oasis fan, I think this is up there with one of Noel's finest moments. Okay. That's fine. I think it's beautiful. Why? What is it? Such a... What do you mean? Well, is it the lyrics? Is it it's the, the lyrics. Sounds? What is it? It's a whole it's thing. It's the music. It's pretty... It's beautiful. It's haunting. I think this is possibly one of the most rawest tenderest moments on this album because it doesn't have the bloat and the 
the I don't know the nonsense of some of the other yeah, songs. Okay. It's just a just a song with some chords and someone singing some beautiful lyrics. It's not anything artistically groundbreaking. Yeah, it's just a gorgeous track. Yeah, and um, sometimes... and I love the fact that it's Liam that sings it. Yeah, because it's the tenderness of him singing it. I think it's a, it's it technically it's a null song. It's a null song. Yeah. But it's better that Liam sings it. Okay. I, depending on my day, I'll let it play. And sometimes I don't. But I'll let, today, driving here, I was like, this is a nice song. It is a nice song. Um, You're playing it. I, I'm playing it. It's fine. Don't Just, come at me. Well, um, I really like the meaning behind the song. So there's two sort of general theories as to how Noel got inspired to write the song. It's either around when Noel and Liam's mum was hospitalised with a cancer scare while they were touring the USA, or it was created based on a request from Bonehead, whose mum Delia was dying of cancer. The Be Here Now booklet actually states this record is dedicated to the eternal memory of Delia Arthurs. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's a very sweet song. I'm going to cry. Okay, I'll play the song then while you recover. Okay, compose. All right, this is Don't Go Away. Come on! Oh. You're across from the table, I can't give you a hug either. Should we talk about Be Here Now? Yes. Is but, that. <laughs> like, I don't like it. No, I, I'm not a massive fan of Why it. Why is that the title track? I don't know. Well, we talked about the meaning of the George Harrison album yeah, but, and all but, sorts of stuff. Yeah, but it's like, if what? you're going to make the title track, the title uh, track, make it. Half decent. Yeah. We can just not even talk about it. Oh, really? Oh, well, you can if you want. So the demo is another one which was recorded with. Uh, uh, at Mystique with the Johnny Depps and the Kate Mosses and all yeah, that sort it's just, of stuff. Nah. Um, they interesting enough they found a kid's piano at the house and the intro is actually oh, played yeah, on that's... that really slowed down. I've gone. I'm not a fan of this. It's okay. I do like it when Noel sings at the two thirty mark. Get a grip inside. I yeah. like that bit. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not. Yeah, same same as you. Now, can we move on? Yeah. All around the world. I used to love this. You did. Used to love it. I'd like it if it was three and a half minutes long. Which three and a half minutes? The end three and a half minutes or the? I w- if it was a three and a half minute long song, I'd like it. Okay. Just goes on. It does go on. Uh... I'm like end. <laughs> um... You're you're different to me. I actually. This is going to kill Oasis fans. Oh, no. I don't like the song at all. Apart from the end, where you get the strings and you get the trumpets. I actually, I actually really so enjoy that. It's, it's so It's very, very good. Yeah. And you know what? The reprise is better. I love the reprise. Get rid of All Around the World. Chuck in the reprise. There's Whoa. a little gap between the songs and move on out of there. I feel about All Around the World is... All, that video encapsulates everything that is wrong with that song. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, look, there are moments where I don't mind that. From the 5.30 mark onwards, I actually really like it. I do find it extremely cheesy. Now, there is a mis- I So, uh, the pigs don't fly, never say die. 
is exactly what I thought it was for years. It's not. Not at all. What are the lyrics, Leslie? I thought that's what it was. No, please don't cry, never say die, is the lyrics. Not pigs don't fly. You were the same as me! I thought it was never say die. It's never it's never say die. So please don't cry, never say die. Yeah, I didn't know the first, but I knew it was never say die. So I thought it was pigs don't fly. The whole 20 right. years. So I'm not, I'm not the only one. Um, Noah said to Q, I wrote this ages ago before whatever. Right, because it's it's on the Supersonic DVD, and it's one of the first songs they ever had. It was twelve minutes long. It was a matter of being able to afford to record it, but now we can get away with the thirty-six piece orchestra. So I mean, I understand if you've got a song and you don't have the money to make it sound the way you want. Is this the way you wanted it to sound? That's a different question. Do you want me to play all around the world? Uh, yeah. Okay, I will play all around the world just for you. Thank you. It's getting better, man. Aww. It's my big mouth all over again, it really is. It's getting better, man. It's only what you said to me. So, yeah, it's okay. It's alright. So they, they basically were getting so many comparisons around sounding like the Beatles. It's right after all around the world. Um, that they wanted to sound like the Rolling Stones. Ooh. So they wanted to be a really rocky song. Again, this is the side of Oasis I just don't gravitate to. I don't like it. You? Nah. Skip it. Would you skip it or let it play? As a difference. I don't know, like, I always let everything play for ways to sing it. Alright, so I'm going to skip it. And then for the end to this podcast, I will play the reprise of All Around the World, which ends it. And on my note says, is it weird to like this better than the real long version, right? Probably. I, probably. But, you know, let, let's, let me know what everyone thinks. Uh, so, quote, I was running out of guitar lines, so I decided to fade it in with backwards guitars. The fleet clumping at the end belonged to Brian, to Brian Cannon, the sleeve designer, and the door slamming, that's never been done before, of course. We got a Penny Lane piccolo trumpet in there because a guy in the brass section stood up and said, you should have a piccolo trumpet on this, try it. So we sent him him on a taxi to fetch it. Now though, everyone will want a piccolo trumpet in their band. That's what he thought. Cool. I don't think anyone took that on and ran with it. No, I don't think so. Right. Oh, I'm knackered off. Alright, so, look, we're not, I, I've got, usual question is, were you surprised by the chart position? Absolutely not. I mean, no, we no. always knew that was going to no. um, do well and, and be um, well received. Let's talk about the reviews, Lil. Negative reviews. Rusty Judas. <laughs> One out of five. You can set off when a track begins and literally travel all around the world and get back before a song finishes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No, I don't, because your lyrics are childish and literally mean nothing with Beatles titles littered everywhere. Full on a hill, the long and winding road, and let it be. If Liam Gallagher, I love this, if Liam Gallagher loves Lennon so much, I'm surprised he hasn't tried to sleep with Yoko yet. The singles are alright, but not great. Don't look, I didn't write that. Don't, I'm just quoting. Um, SEFL, one out of five. New Labour is a good metaphor for Golden Age Oasis. In the first couple of years when they were just getting big, they were effing brilliant and everyone could get behind them. 
Then they made it and became a bit crap and it all sort of went a bit downhill from there. Good stuff? Yay! <clears throat> this is weird. Noel and Gallagher, Noel and Liam Gallagher are chefs. They had already made the perfect plate of poutine. Right? Millions of people had enjoyed it already. So much so they lost it a bit and their next creation was a poutine with cheese, curds, gravy, green onions, chilli, jalapeno, shredded cheese, pork, chicken and hot sauce served with a side of ranch. And then he goes on a bit. Did you know what poutine was? Yes. Yeah, what is it's it? Like, um, it's a Canadian thing. It's like chips and gravy and all sorts. You are bang on. It's a dish that includes chips and cheese and brown gravy from Canada. Yeah. All right. Uh, Shelf Andre. I personally never understood what the problem was here. I think it's a fantastic record from start to finish. To me, Oasis were on top of the game. They knew what they were getting into was ridiculously huge. So they made a ridiculously huge album for the ridiculously large demand for the band. And they did it just as they should. All the bloatedness of the songs are well justified. It's just rock and roll. It should be what every Oasis fan wants. Massive bombastic riffs and pointless and mindlessly fun songwriting. Last one, unbelievably underrated by Malk. Critics just expect one of their albums to be a classic, and so this was doomed from the press from day one. These are the same people who think Coldplay are a good band. The album is just as good as their NARs, and Girl in the Dirty Shirt and Magic Pie are amazing. Everyone should reconsider their views on this album. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Did you get any? No. What is, did you read the reviews on this album? Uh, yeah, look, and I thought, the reason I did this on reviews is I thought we are going to talk a ton about it in the body of it, because that's probably part of the story of this, about how the reviews have gone up and down and along side roads and back again. But, um, look, I just, look, for me, if I'm honest, the... I think the reason I've probably scored it high and the fact it's even made it in our top 50 is purely out of a personal connection more than its musical prowess, right? So when I think of this album, right, genuinely, without getting too emotional, I was literally on, if you think about it, I was on the cusp of adulthood. Yep. Right? Yep. I had dreams, you had aspirations. Um, we're just probably about to leave school. I was in the, this, this being obsessed with music, being obsessed with Oasis was something bigger than me. Mm. Waiting for this album to be released, listening to those songs. When I listen to them, I go back there. Yeah, okay. And it, and actually, I don't listen to this album a lot, but when I do, and it puts me back there, I smile. Oh, that's good. Do I go, Lovely. oh, I'm so pleased they wrote a song like I Hope I Think I Know? No, I don't. Would I ever say it's, like an amazing, no, I wouldn't say it's an amazing album, but it's like a heartwarming album to me because it's like a real moment in time. Yeah, okay. And I think that's what music should be. Is it overinflated? Is it bloated? Is it their best album? Did it live up to the hype? Probably not. Yeah, okay. Will I always still have a real f- soft spot for it? Will it always make me happy? Yes. That's nice. Lovely. All right, ratings. What do you think you gave this album? Probably like a seven and a half. You gave it an eight, Ooh, Leslie. Wow. I gave it a seven and a half. I would have dropped mine. Yeah, right. Right. So I probably, I probably would have had it at that six and a half, seven mark. Um, but to your point, going through this exercise, I probably hadn't listened to this album in years. No. 
And I think to, to your point, it takes you back to where you were at the time. I went to see them live, right? You've also got to imagine this. This is, an, this is a story about what this album means to me. I was... Oasis were doing their Be Here Now tour. Yes. It sold out in minutes. Yeah. I was doing my Duke of Edinburgh award. Okay. I was up a hill. Okay. My friend Laura, our friend Laura, she yeah. moved from Perth up to Aberdeen. My mum has always been relatively strict. You're not going to see Oasis. Yes, I am. And so I was on my Duke of Edinburgh, so I asked my friend Laura if she could try and get tickets. Mm -hmm. The phones were jammed. It made the front page of the paper. Nobody was getting tickets. Mm -hmm. I came off the hill. I come home from a Duke of Edinburgh expedition. And I'm like, did Laura phone? Did we get Oasis tickets? And she's like, no, you did not. And I was like, that. okay. Um, I miss your mum impression. And then she was like, so you should maybe phone Laura then. And I was like, right. So then I phoned Laura, you're right, so I yeah, we didn't get tickets. And then she's like, yeah, how was your hill walking? I hated it, it was crap. Um, and then she said, I'm only joking, we got tickets. And my mum knew all along and had been playing along oh, with it. Oh, nice. I burst out crying on oh. the phone. I was like 16, maybe 17. I got the train up to Aberdeen. She met me. Now when I go to see a gig and it's doors open at 7.30, I turn up at 9.00. Now, then, it was doors open at 7.30. We were there at 3.30. Oh, God. And we bought a T-shirt and a book. And I sat there. And we waited. Too so much so, the band arrived. And we saw them oh, arriving wow. and going in. We were there that early. Um, and I don't know if you'll remember this. When we got back from the concert, because I stayed at her house, we called you and your friend. No way! Yeah, and we spoke to you. Oh, oh it's amazing. I remember that, actually. See? Mm -hmm. so, you've, so if you add all of that together, that was my first ever concert. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, that's special. Yeah, that's the Be special. Here Now tour. I remember waiting, and I'd never been to a concert, so I had no idea what a mosh pit was. Well, I found out. Um, <laughs> and then just the surge. And they came on, I'm sure they came on to My Big Mouth. Yeah. And the place... And their stage was literally like the front cover of Be Here Now. Oh, wow, that's cool. And they came on. Wow. To see Wonderwall what live when you're great. 17 yeah. and it's your first gig. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, you can I, see now what? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I, remember, I remember that gig, and it's funny. Um, I didn't see Oasis till 2005. Yeah. Which was the Don't Believe the Truth tour. And they came to Australia. And they played the Horden. And I went with a mutual friend of ours. And I remember being... Not underwhelmed. I just... It was okay. It was... It was, it was I finally got to see Oasis. But you know the Horden. It's, it's... That it's, would have been amazing. I've seen them four times. It's a big shed, um, basically. But... And I remember... I think that would have been good, surely. Not a big close... Uh, it wasn't... I just... I, I don't know. I think I had high hopes. And... I just, you know, we think about the albums after, you know, you went to see Be Here Now, which you, you, you would say potentially is their peak. And I've got all those albums after. And so the limited stuff are probably, well, I don't know. It just, it was, it was good, not great. Oasis were absolutely at their height when I saw them and it was yeah. my first concert. Yeah. I still have that ticket. But that will always That's be amazing. Um, I saw them at Murrayfield. Um, Happy Mondays with the support act. That was, that was fun. Um, and then I saw them at Tea in the Park, and I'm trying to remember where the fourth time was. But, that, I mean, that, nothing topped that. No, nothing would. Because they only had three albums, so literally it was just Be Here Now, What's the Story, and Definitely Yeah, it was maybe. everything. And That's it was, great. like, in the Aberdeen Exhibition Centre, so it's not even that huge, I yeah, find yeah, yeah. And we were right close. Oh, Amazing. Great. All right, so obviously Oasis are done and dusted, at least for the time being. 
Les is going to cry again. Uh, Noel is touring everywhere at the moment. I, I genuinely believe he's going to come to Australia. Yeah, he will. Um, I, he's just touring everywhere around Europe. I reckon we're going to see him this year sometime. And we saw him together, but you don't remember. Good. No, yeah. No idea that I was there. Um, Liam is doing lots of tours, but more of the festivals. He's doing Glastonbury and, and more I'd of the big festivals. I'd go and see him for sure. Yes, yeah, okay. you would. All right, okay. Um, album still holds its value at £5 on Amazon. There we go. Oh, £5. But... If you're on Spotify, it's got the 40-song remastered edition, which has absolutely everything on it. Les, number 32. I guarantee it, you wouldn't guess this in a million years. (laughs) It's one of of mine. Oh, no. Yeah, it's not a bad one. Oh, no, it's not. Does it begin with K? No, 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 not yet. This one... Uh, This one... Is a band that I've liked, and I you have come to like them through this process. So, small band, probably famous for. Uh, they probably hit it big with with one song. I would say a lot of people will know them through one song, but this album is tremendous. Don't know. It is beginning with an L. Oh, Long Pigs! Long Pigs! Woo! The album I'm is. I'm quite excited about that. Yeah, the album "The Sun Is Often Out." Very different to this album. Yeah. Uh, Long Pigs I was talking about She Said what a great great, great song, song that is She said She said She said She said Brilliant That's what it goes like everyone They'll probably not listen to the episode then if that's what it goes <laughs> like but um, so Sun is Often Out is the album it is a fantastic album uh, and I'm looking forward to discussing that so anything else before we wrap up Lil how do you feel that went that, that is actually going to be a long one I didn't think it I be. enjoyed that Okay. I think we did it justice. And okay. I think I was not as unbiased as you probably thought. No. Good. No, no, no. Not for this one. Good. Uh, so next week, Long Pigs uh, at Facebook and Twitter at Britpop Banter. And uh, you can email us at BritpopBanter at gmail.com. If you like this one, go and leave a rating for us. Send us your feedback. Email us and send us your guilty pleasure of the 90s. You've got the cardigans. Woo! That's a good album. Do, 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 do. You See? just can't sing guitar chords, you're going to have to practice. Okay. Maybe I could start playing Noel Gallagher's bass to kick me off in yeah, my journey. Yeah, practice for that. All right, cool. All right, thank you very much, everyone. Take care. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.